this tunic, you like that? Mark, <laughs> this is not mine. Well, it is mine now. Pierre bought it for me. You need to understand and the reason why I'm wearing this really sharp tunic is because he presented it to me as well as two other people who are not wearing their tunics, by the way, that I've noticed here. And he told me this was only worn by king's messengers. So if you see a man wearing this, he's a messenger of the king. That's why he gave this to me. And we would call them ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, which is kind of interesting. And Theo was sharing with me that Sifu means bringer of a message or something, right? We don't have the absolute uh, translation for, of that. And, and translating names is really interesting, but translating African names is really difficult, let me tell you, right? I can do biblical names because there's a book, but... But it means, well, the point is, he wanted me to understand that I am one of the many king's messengers. But the point here is, when you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, am I sliding down? Okay. Okay, I'm over here. Did you miss my tunic? <laughs> Thank you. We're all God messengers we're all the king's messengers if you're a christian that's who you are first peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for god's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his mar marvelous light you were once not a people but now you are the people of god you had not you, you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy Pierre understood this and he lived this. And he was always proclaiming God's message. And it was, it's kind of interesting when he gave me this, you know, I haven't worn it until now, now that he's gone on. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the Elijah Elisha story. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not thinking that I'm Elisha and qualified, right? But he is my Elijah. And he gave me this mantle when he was leaving. And I'll always cherish this and I'll always cherish his memories. But he'll always be my Elijah. He always set the example. He set the way in such a calm spirit, you know, never excited, never yelling like this guy, but calm and very serious. Today, we honor Brother Pierre, one of the greatest messengers this world has ever known. We're not gathered here to say goodbye to a dear brother in Christ, but as Theo reminded me yesterday, we're here to say adieu, right? Adieu. No, adieu. Adieu. Okay, here comes French lesson number two. Theo was having a problem with me yesterday as well. No, but we're here to say thank you to a very faithful servant of God. Just like the hymn says, which I'm sure John's got it on his list, God be with you till we meet again. My message, I hope, is, is one of hope. So, quick message. I'll try to chop it, but, you know, preachers go for a long grade, you know. So, let's begin with the question. Can we know where our brother Pierre is right now? 
Now that's a question a lot of people when they go to funerals, they're asking that question, can I know where my loved one is right now? Where is he? Still in, in a casket? In the grave asleep? In Hades? Or in heaven? Can we know? To answer that question with solid confidence, you have to know where you are right now. Think about that. Do you know where you are right now? But before you can know where you are right now, you need to know who you are right now. Which can only happen after you come to the realization of what you are or what you were. So you have to begin at the very beginning, right? What are you or what were you? You got to go back to basics. All people are human. And all people are devoid of the spirit of God, blind to the truth, lost in a world of darkness, having no hope for the future, destined for eternal destruction, guilty as charged. And he knew that. That's why he loved people. Because he knew they didn't know that. And that's why he kept reaching out to people. But one day you have to come to your senses. Like the prodigal son. He left his father, left everything, squandered everything. But then he came to his senses. And he returned to the father. I woke up to that reality from a world of drugs and alcohol. 29 years old. Sinner without God. But I realized if I died today, which somebody was trying to eliminate me for some silly reason, I wouldn't have woke up on the right side. And I knew I had to change my ways. You have to know what you are in order to seek salvation. You have to know you're lost. And you don't stand a chance before God because you know you've spent your entire life running away from him. But you have to know what you are. But most people that we know continue to live in denial. But that doesn't stop men like this from still reaching out. Now comes the question, who are you right now? You know that you're gone. You're not in a relationship, but who are you right now? Once I realized my lost state, I knew it was time that I had to get out and find God, right? And that brings me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And I've always wondered, what kind of reward? I'm putting this lesson together with, uh, I was going to say with Pierre, but with Pierre in my mind. And I'm going, you know, what kind of reward is he? Reward do you get when you seek God? Well, God's the answer right? If you see God, you'll find him. That's the reward. Duh. But then I was never that quick, right? In my life. It took me till 29 to start searching for God. And the only place to find God is in his word. I did a sermon last Sunday and I said, you can't trust preachers. You can't put your trust in preachers. You can't put your trust in church doctrine you can't put your your trust in family traditions the only place you can put your trust is in god's word preachers can lead you but you better put your trust in the word because guys like me we have a tendency to go off the deep end you know shake you down a little bit more like you know what, what's 10 percent on the collection plate 15 percent sounds better for me right you know 
You've always got to double check what preachers are teaching. You've always got to double check what the word of God's saying. There's where you need to put your faith, right? The only place to find God is in his word. And you need, though, you need help. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Who do we have? We have that Ethiopian eunuch on the, on the road home. And here comes Philip, because the Ethiopian doesn't understand it. Here comes the king's messenger sent by the Holy Spirit. He runs up to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> well, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip up and he, he sat with him and he opened up the scriptures for him. Just like Peter in Acts chapter two, Peter is explaining to the guys. He's like, he's one of the king's messengers. And this is what we are. We are the king's messengers and we have to learn to get the message across. We have to present it. So Peter opens up all this Old Testament text because these guys are Old Testament scholars. And then he says, let all the house of Israel know that God has made him Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. He's the one. This is the Matthew 16 when Jesus says to Peter, who do people say I am? Peter says, well, thou art the Christ, son of living God. And he says, well, you know, blessed are you because it wasn't man that told you this. It was God that revealed it to you. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see right here in this text. Because in 237, when they heard this, that Jesus is Lord and Christ, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, what shall we do? They were pierced to the heart. If you've ever read John chapter 3, verse 5, you have to be begotten from above. Some people will call it the born again. But to be begotten from above via water and the spirit it's the word of god and the spirit convicts you it's that piercing feeling you've got when you're all alone and you've only got the scripture and you're hurting so bad because of whatever but then your conviction hits and you know that god's trying to speak to you that's that born again feeling but that's not being a christian but it is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then they said to Peter, what shall we do? And he says, what? Repent, each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's exactly what John the Baptist was teaching when he came. But he said that when Jesus comes, he'll baptize you with water and he'll, he'll baptize you with uh, the Holy Spirit and fire. And so what does Peter say? Repent, each of you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's really big because John the Baptist wasn't able to give you the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. That is so big because Jesus says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send the Spirit. Who are you? Well, if you understand 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you're a brand new creature. You're no longer that worthless, helpless soul. Because once you've gone into the waters and been immersed, have your sins forgiven and received the spirit, now you are a spiritual being. That's the thing that we've got to get through in our noodles. Because when you're all by yourself, you need to remember God's with you in everything that you do. We are not of the flesh, Romans chapter 8, but in the spirit. 
If indeed, he says, the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Spirit of God dwells in us. Children of God. All who are being led by the spirit of God, these are what? Sons of God. Who are you? You're a child of God. That's who you are. When you come to your senses and respond to the gospel, which is what? Pierre constantly taught because he wanted people to understand who they were, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which brings us to that third point. Where are you? I mean, seriously, where are you right now? Because you can't focus on a building. Because if you focus on a building, if you focus on a, on a location, where are you? You're in the physical. You're not being the spiritual being that God has called you to be. You have to understand where you are right now. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. And he's saying an hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people to the father seeks to be his worshiper. You have to be in spirit. It's not upon this mountain that she was at, which is Gerizim. It wasn't, uh, you know, in Jerusalem. It's in the spirit with the truth. The truth is God's word. The spirit is the spirit dwelling in you. That's who God wants. You have to be in the spirit, not in the building. The kingdom is not a physical kingdom to show up in the future and we'll get to live here for however long some people think. Pilate says, you are a king. And Jesus says, yes, I am a king. For this reason, I've been born. And for this reason, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. But my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would be not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm because my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom and nobody can shake it. And that's where we are. We're in that spiritual kingdom. We're in the presence of God. When? Right now. As a Christian? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 6. What's he saying? You were dead when? In your trespasses. Lost in your sins. But, let's see if we can find this thing. Being rich in his mercy because of his great love. When we were dead in our transgressions, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved because you can't earn it. Raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. So as a Christian, though you've got this physical body, your spirit dwells in the heavenlies. That's where all spiritual blessings are in the heavenlies. That's where we are right now in the heavenlies. Hebrews chapter 12, you know, anybody from the, anybody's ever listened to me preach will go, oh, no, Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 12, because he's saying it to these Jews who are going back to Judaism because they're tired of meeting down by a creek. They're tired of meeting in somebody's house or on somebody's roof. But he says, that's not where you are. You have come to Mount Zion, city of living God, heavenly Jerusalem, myriads of angels, 
You have to spiritually elevate yourself into the presence of God. That's where we are. That's where you're invited to, right? To the general assembly. No, it's to the festal assembly. It's a party in heaven. Whenever somebody repents down here, the angels are rejoicing. Check it out in, in Luke chapter something or whatever. Or as Jesus would say, it is written. <laughs> Go find it, right? To the festal assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Who's the church of the firstborn? It's Christians who are enrolled in heaven. It's not your name is written in the book. If you're a Christian, your name is written in the book. But when you die, you have to go into heaven to enroll your name. You register for all these universities, but you would only enroll in one, the one you go to. All these Christians who have died are enrolled in heaven. So we know Christians are there and to God, the judge of all. We know that God dwells in heaven and the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Now capture this. In chapter 11, he just gave us a list of all these heroes of the Old Testament. But he says, these have gained, these all had, all these have gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They were not perfect. That's why they're stuck in Hades. That's why they're in Abraham's bosom. They weren't perfect because the only thing that makes you perfect is the blood of Christ. So they were in this prison waiting for Jesus' blood. Jesus, when he died, went down into Hades, taught the guys in Abraham's bosom who he was, the son of God. They believed. When he ascended on high, Ephesians 4, 8 says, he took captivity captive. He kicked the doors of Hades down, the gates of Hades, and took them, all those Old Testament heroes who were waiting for the blood of Christ. He took them to heaven. That's why here in Hebrews, you see, you know, who who is it? The, the spirits of the righteous is made perfect. And that means complete. So you've got the Old Testament. You've got the New Testament. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. And now you've got Christ. That's, he's saying, that's where you've come. Spiritually speaking, you have to understand that's what you're walking into, the throne room of God. I mean, doesn't he tell us someplace in, 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 in Hebrews, like, how do you get forgiveness? Well, he's saying we have such a great high priest. We, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy and find grace in time of need. You have the ability to walk into the throne room of God and go right before Christ and plead your case. And he's willing to listen. And he knows what you're talking about because he lived this life. He suffered everything that we suffer. So don't ever say, well, he can't understand me. Yeah, more than understand you. He knows you inside and out. Where are we right now? In the presence of God. 1 John 5.13 says what? These things I write to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. You need to realize. If you don't realize that you have eternal life right now, 
you need to get studying the scripture. You need to get to talk to somebody. You need to be talking to God because you can know you have eternal life. Pierre knew he had eternal life. And when Pierre was dying, he knew he was in the hands of Christ. He was happy because he is done. It is finished. Right. But you have to know where you are right now. So where's our dear brother? He's he's enrolled with the church of the firstborn. John chapter 14, verse three. What does Jesus say? I got to go. To prepare a place. But I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And this is the most comforting verse that I've ever found so far. At least this week. Revelation chapter chapter three, verse five. Jesus promised to each and every one of us, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father, before his angels. The day you die, you go before God. Everybody goes before God. Wicked and righteous. And then he assigns you one of two places, heaven or Hades. I'm waiting for that judgment day where you go to this new creation or you go to this place called Gehenna. But if you die as a Christian, you go before God and Christ is there to take you into the throne room of God where he confesses your name. I think that is just glorious. There's a festal assembly. He announces your name, you know, Pierre Tsipu. There he was. And everybody that's ever known him that has already gone ahead of him mob him and greeted him and they're going to do the same for you when you pass on parents grandparents all the people that you knew in church they're going to hear your name okay they'll be shocked right but they're still going to greet you that's the glory that god is calling for us to think about it right that's the glory of what we're celebrating right here. If you overcome it, you are victorious. Now, here's an interesting one just to take home with you. What are they doing while they're in heaven besides praising God and throwing their crowns down and enjoy when somebody repents? Well, we find them in, in Revelation chapter six, underneath the altar praying. And they're praying for the church, to, for God to put a stop to the persecution the persecution that had that killed them, they lost their head. They were executed for the sake of the gospel. But they're praying. They have an opportunity to pray. And what do they pray for? Their family. Who's their family? Jesus said, who is my mother, my brother, my sister? Those who do the will of God. Who's Pierre praying for? Because he is praying. He's praying for all the loved ones in the church. He's praying for the sick of the church he's not praying for individuals but he's praying for everybody that they come through the church and he's praying one day he hears your voice your name being announced by christ so that he can greet you it's not a goodbye it's just a temporal we can catch up but it all depends upon us you know, so many people all talk about, you need to pray for the lost. You need to pray for the dead, right? No, you don't. They're already praying for us. 
We need to live and become a messenger. So may this message open up your eyes to the lost state, your lost state. Realize what you are, a sinner that needs a savior. May you understand who you can become, a child of God, simply by obeying the gospel. It's open to everybody. And if you're a Christian, may you be encouraged by this message to live your life in the presence of the king. First John chapter 1, verse 7 says, we need to walk in the light as he himself is in the light. There's where we need to be, in the throne room of God. And may you always, each and every one of us, always be looking forward ahead to the coming, the next coming of Christ. Don't be looking backward. I don't care what this world looks like right now. It's horrendous. That's because they don't have God. But realize this, as he says in 2 Peter, right at the end of chapter 3, the day of the Lord will be like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up. I'm sorry, and you're worried about global warming? Uh, since all no, these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed? destroyed? By burning and elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's when we catch up. That's what we're looking forward to. Brother Pierre Sifu is a king's messenger. One who had a sound message who worked tirely, tirelessly to save his nation from a world of darkness by shining the gospel light into the lives of all he had a chance to come in contact with. And if you ever met him, for sure you talk about the gospel. He dedicated his life to save your soul. He loved you that much. So maybe the memory of Pierre live on in your actions, following his example, and be our king's messenger. The world needs you. Christ is counting on you. May God bless us all as we strive to be one of Christ's royal messengers. And that's my, though incorrectly pronounced, adieu to my brother. Thank you. Thank you.